0: Juliet Dogcast Radio If you like dogs wherever you are in the world we're the show for you Hello and welcome to episode 169 of Dogcast Radio As ever you can find this and all our episodes complete with show notes photographs and links to find out more at our website www.dogcastradio.com where we also have breed profiles and our blog to keep you up to date with everything dog. Later on, we have an interview with Judith Brauch, who co-founded the charity Service Dogs UK.
1: Service Dogs UK is now a charity that I set up with a very good friend
0: of mine. It's a
1: charity that provides and trains assistance dogs, mostly from rescue to veterans of the armed forces, but also veterans... Because we want to really redefine that word a little bit of the emergency services and also of the Coast Guard.
0: And there's the Dogcast Radio news. But before all that, we talk to Jeff Lazarus about his book Dogtology. Given the fact that you're listening to Dogcast Radio, you're probably already a practising dogtologist. I'll leave it to Jeff to explain what that is. And what you'll hear from the start
2: is a fun interview. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Julie. (laughs)
0: Well, we don't know when people will listen to this, so we have to cover everything. So well done. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So we're going to talk about your book, Dogtology.
2: So for those who don't know, Jeff, what is Dogtology? Ah, A lot of us know Dogtology. We live Dogtology, but we didn't know the name for it. And think, Julie, about those of us, which are many, who think about our dog, who love our dog, who post pictures of our dog, who dress our dogs, who count on our dogs and love our dogs to no end. In fact, we've come to a place where we can count on our dog more than the human beings in our lives. And I'm talking spouses, children, parents. <laughs> <laughs> and so dogtology, when it comes just straight down to it, it's the belief in dog. And we believe. And the evidence is everywhere. And as I mentioned, if you... Just go on the computer on the internet. In fact, wait, wait. Oh, I just think five hundred more pictures of dogs <laughs> wearing clothes was just posted. Yes. on the internet.
0: Mm-mm. But you do, don't you? They they do something. They lie down or they pick a toy up or run around. And, oh, that's so cute! I have to share this with other
2: people. Oh, that's right. I mean, we can't help ourselves, right? You must see my dog. My dog's the cutest thing ever, and. But But, the truth is that dogs have become the primary relationship for so many humans, even some who are married and have kids. <laughs> like when all the dust settles, they just want that comfort of the dog around them, and so when it comes down to it, dog is number one mhm- mm mm-hmm. I mean
0: the your dog never sort of turns around and says, "Have you put weight on or no i'm I'm busy at the moment, I don't want to do that, so you know there is. A, This is why it comes about, isn't it? Because they are always there for us. But, you know, it's it's a two-way street, isn't it?
2: (laughs) It is. And they don't criticize us, at least that we know of. That's the the beauty. They may notice and they may say, gee, you've had too much of my bacon. Lay off that. (laughs) But, But we don't feel judged around dogs. That's just one of the many great things is we can be ourselves and... We don't have to dress right. Our hair can be terrible. We don't have to shower. We can say whatever we want. And the dog just loves us. And we love them in return for that. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think it's a wonderful thing to have a dog in your life because just you sort of put one foot out of bed in the morning and the dog goes wild. It's like, yay! you're getting up, you're getting up. Who else reacts like that just because you put one foot out of bed?
2: I'm trying to think of another human that acts that way. You know, you might have to give me an hour to see if I can come up with one. Yeah, but that, that's that's just so true. And, you know, we talk about in the Book of Bones, Chapter 1 of Dogtology, the ten noble qualities of dog. And, you know, that's really one of the things about dogs is the unconditional love in dogs living in the moment. I think any waking moment, it's go time for a dog. It's let's have fun, let's love, let's be happy. Twenty four seven. It's wonderful.
0: Yeah, yeah. See, I think it is a wonderful thing to be a dog. You know, when when people treat their dogs like humans, I think they're missing the point because, as you've said, your dog becomes you know at times let's let's say so much more special to you. You know, than and it, and they offer you so much more than a human could in that situation. And it, it, it's just they're just wonderful to be a dog. Is a wonderful
2: thing. It it is. And in the fact that we talk to them the way we do, we dress them the way we want, we post their pictures, we're actually humanizing our dogs. If you think about it, you go on the Internet, you look on YouTube, how many videos of dogs playing the piano, riding skateboards, driving cars. Mm. It's really the humanization of dogs, which I discuss in Chapter 3, Book of Callers. And it's really saying a lot about us. And if you think about it, Julie, you imagine somebody putting a collar on their dog. Now, if somebody is, let's say, you know, a male and a man's man, I doubt they're going to put a pink collar on his dog, mm. right? But they might put a black collar, a studded collar, uh, a collar that has the name of their sports team, and it's, it's really our own extension. It, it's us trying to create you know, the person that we want and, and we have to do it with a dog because, you know, humans just aren't going to tolerate that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they buzz off. The dogs let us have our way with them.
0: Yes, they, they don't have a
2: choice, do they? they yeah.
0: So, so Jeff, tell me about your dogs.
2: You know, I've, I've had the pleasure of having three wonderful dogs in my life and my most recent beloved dog, Romy who was a golden fur angel and, quite frankly, the funniest person I ever knew, mm. he was my sidekick. <laughs> and, you know, I learned to not dress Romy, except we did have a leather jacket. I, I do <laughs> believe he, he liked wearing that because, you know, he was cool. Mm. <laughs> but I, I, I learned that I could trust Romy and I could talk to Romy. And, you know, he was just my pride and joy. And, unfortunately, I did lose Romy a few years ago. Mm. And Dogtology turned out to be my ultimate tribute to Romy. Now, the book's not about me. The book is about all of us obsessed dog lovers. But in the end, I realized how cathartic of an experience it was for me to recognize how, you know, I'm part of the club. I'm part of Dogtology. I'm I'm one of a gazillion people who feel this way. And I look forward to actually fostering a dog very soon.
0: Mm. Oh, wow. That's exciting. Because fostering yes. is a wonderful thing to do because you, you help the dog on their way to their forever home, don't you? And some dogs really, really need that inter, intermediate stage of getting used to being in, in a home, don't they?
2: Yeah, they do. It's, it's such an important thing, and I've come to learn a lot about fostering in the last couple of years from folks at, at various humane societies out my way. You know, dogs do need that chance, and I think it's that chance for them to understand love to have that attachment with a human. Of course, when a dog then goes on to a permanent home, who suffers? The human who's left yeah. behind. <laughs> <laughs> the dog's happy and it has new people. But, you know, that, that's just part of the process. But it, it's really a wonderful thing to, to give dogs a chance.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Brilliant. and,
0: and Lovely. Um, and you're giving something back to these dogs. They've given you so much. Um, now, for people listening who suspect they might be a dogtologist, but aren't sure. Have you got any advice sort of how they can recognize the signs in themselves?
2: <laughs> yes. So I would ask this question. I would ask, can you go 10 seconds without telling your dog, you're a good boy, you're a good girl. <laughs> <laughs> Do you talk to your dog in that high-pitched voice I call a quadruple octave escalation? Because, Julie, we can't just say, Hi, how are you doing today, Fido? No, we have to go, Fido, hi, how are you? <laughs> yeah. you know, we have to talk that way. You know, do you have to share pictures of your dog before the human members of your family? Right? Would you ever bail on a date? Would you ever say, you know what, i got to get home because my dog has a Zumba class? <laughs> you know, does your dog really come first? Who's on your mind most in your family? Kids, spouses? If you're really honest about it, it's your dog, <laughs> So, right? These are signs and symptoms of being a dogtologist. And you know what? There's millions of us out there. Yeah,
0: yeah. And it's not something to be ashamed of. We should embrace it and say, yep, I'm a dogtologist.
2: <laughs> and that's really the essence of having one's own realization. And let me tell you, my good friend Brian Brian said to me when I was writing Dogtology, he said, you know, this sounds really fun. I've read a couple pieces that you shared with me, Jeff, but I'm not a Dogtologist. And I said, are you sure? Because you have two dogs here that are wearing sweaters. He said, yeah, no, you know, I I, I know they're, they're good dogs, but I'm sorry I'm not a Dogtologist. And I kid you not, within maybe 30 seconds, he turned to the dogs, he said, come to daddy, come to daddy. And I said, don't you lie to me. You are a dogtologist. In fact, let's have your barktism right now. I'll go ahead and duck your head in this water dish right here and we'll barktize you. <laughs> and and he just looked at me and said, okay, okay, I am. And so now I tease him and say, you finally had your coming out. Embrace dogtology. <laughs> yeah.
0: But you see, dogs win you over because I can remember when we got Buddy, um, our Black Labrador, I was the one, I was the driving force that sort of really wanted a dog. And my husband sort of came to accept that having a dog was going to be inevitable if he wanted to keep me sort of thing. And so we got Buddy. And he just worked on Anthony so so well because every time sort of Anthony came home from work, Buddy was there sort of going, oh, wow, great, you're back, I've missed you. And sort of that level of excitement and love is so hard to resist. And I can remember at at some point we were talking about asking his, asking Anthony's mum and dad, my in-laws, over for a meal. And then he said something about, yes, but some people don't like to eat around dogs. And I was like, you have come over to the dog side. That's it. We've got
2: you now. <laughs> yes. You know, it's interesting that you had that experience because there's people like that. And I call them duds. That stands for doesn't understand dogtology mm, <laughs> so, mm. <laughs> until they have their own realization that they're kind of hooked on dog and and in the club and you know unfortunately there are those who you know okay I don't want the dog on the couch you know I'm okay if the dog doesn't come near me and and those are usually people that need some sort of enlightenment but yeah. because dog is so giving there's hope for those kind of people
0: yes yes we won't write them off just yet but I love that name dud <laughs> because
2: (laughs) yes they're duds
0: yeah but you know i don't get people that don't get dogs it is there do seem to be two kinds of people i mean maybe they're dogtologists and those who are still in denial in in reality but it it does seem to be that doesn't it that there is this divide and if you don't like dogs i really don't get you on on a quite a fundamental level
2: yeah i don't get them either and i bet a lot of people don't it's like what's wrong with these people it's almost as if they didn't get the memo you yeah. know, Somehow the memo in life was missed. But in reality, I've learned that if you really talk to these people, most of the time you'll find out that early in their life they had an experience where they were scared of a dog. A dog chased them. Maybe a dog unfortunately bit them. And, and we know that they deserved it. They don't, they don't know that, but they probably deserved it. Mm-hmm. And, and so they they grew up being fearful of dogs or they just didn't have one growing up, so they don't understand what that connection can be like.
0: Yeah, yeah, but they are missing out on something, definitely. I mean, really, we should feel sorry for them. And what, what makes me laugh is that our dogs don't write these duds off. To a dog, someone that doesn't really sort of seek them out, is, is a challenge, isn't it? I mean, nobody will sort of go, hey, you, you didn't notice me, you didn't fuss me, I, I will come and make sure you don't miss out.
2: <laughs> That's right. Especially today, I think, you know, buddy's the best medicine. Let's not forget that, Julie. Mm. So, but, but it can heal you. You're right. I mean, dogs just always give us a chance. And I think we need to realize that no matter what we do, no matter how badly we behave, dogs are going to love us and dogs are going to give us a chance. Yeah, It's a wonderful thing.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, the best bargain we ever made when we sort of palled them with dogs. Um, you've mentioned already the ten noble qualities of dog. And, yes. there's, I mean, there is that question, isn't there? Always, sort of, why do we. We can all, those of us who are dogtologists, feel, we know how it feels. But to analyse it is, is a bit harder. So, what do you think are the ten noble qualities of dog that sort of do attach us to them so much? Well, i
2: certainly share a few of those Uh with you. I think number one is the fact that dog is unconditionally loving, as as we've been discussing already. But dog is also free of ego. And if you think about it, human beings are so egocentric, and it's kind of a me mentality. Well, dogs are all about us. See, we're about us. Dogs are about us. And loyalty is another one. Dogs are fiercely loyal, loyal mm. to a fault. You know, we could go ahead and we could commit a triple homicide, be wanted by the law and abolished by society, but guess what? Dog says, I love you. <laughs> dog's not going to hold it against us. And and one more that I want to share right now is the fact that dogs are so selfless and heroic. And and, and Julie, if, if you or I were going ahead and maybe – save a a baby from a burning building, what would happen? We'd be interviewed on the news. We'd be heroes. But when a dog does something terrific, and a dog has saved many babies from burning buildings in the past,
0: Mm.
2: what's the dog want to do next? Take a nap, (laughs) go fetch a stick, go play, go about business. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're, they're they're not all about themselves the way that we are.
0: No, no. And thank goodness they're not. We'd be in a mess if they were but they they do and they just accept you and it's you know let's get on with life they're brilliant now another thing we we can't get away from with dogs is the leash the lead but I know that that dogtology has a a sort of slightly different take on that doesn't it
2: yes the leash the book of leashes in fact discusses (laughs) our attachment and if you think about the leash what does the leash do it's about restraint but not only is it restraint it's we don't want our dog to run away. Not just, okay, stay off that lawn for the next door neighbor come here. But if the dog runs away, we're devastated. So it's really about connection. And it's really about our connection with the dog. And here's the question that I ask. If you're at home and Buddy is not there, he just may be getting a bath. He may be at the groomer, so he's okay. Mm. But he's gone for... Three, four hours, suddenly there's a silence in your home. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, there's a missing. And we as humans, we have this thing called projection where we say, oh, the dog misses us. But the truth is, when you take the dog away from us, we get neurotic, anxiety sets in, we're nervous. We're calling every 15 minutes. Is buddy ready yet? No. Okay. How about now? <laughs> Is buddy ready? Can I pick him up? Yeah. Because we're that attached. It's so funny when I hear people say, oh, my dog misses me. And I'm like, well, the dog's going to love seeing you. But let's be honest, you are missing that dog.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and
2: so there's so much attachment that we have with our dogs. And that's what I address in the book of leisha's chapter two.
0: Yeah. I, I, I do like that, that take on it. I mean, I know when when we go away on holiday, my mum moves in here and looks after our dogs and cats and ducks and things. But when I ring up, it's always kind of, how's Buddy? Never how are you first. It's, how's Buddy? (laughs) And Mm -hmm. that's what it's about,
2: isn't it? It it, it really is. I mean, nobody's been more guilty than me, just like (laughs) many others. You know, I would go away on a trip and, you know, I remember, you know, when I first had Romy and Romy would go stay with my parents and... The funny thing is, I would call around dinner time and my mom would answer and literally not say hello or hi. She'd literally answer the phone and say, he's fine. Quit <laughs> calling. <laughs> and, um, he's fine. Has he had dinner? Did he go on a walk? Yes, Jeff. He's fine. <laughs> but you see, the other thing, and I know
0: you, you mentioned this in the book, you sort of, we can get obsessed with not just has he eaten, is he okay, but... Has he pooped we do get a bit you know you have to be a bit obsessed and I, I um, we, we changed vets fairly recently you know I mean it might maybe eighteen months ago and when buddy's been in for surgery since um, they are wonderful because when they phone you they kept him in overnight for extra pain relief and when they phone you they 'll tell you he 's okay he 's eaten and whether he 's toileted and I that they get me, they understand that I need to know this, this is important stuff, I need to know it, and you do, don't you, as, as a dog owner?
2: Yeah, you really do, and you know, you brought up poop, so okay, we're okay. going there, we're talking I, about poop. <laughs> I often talk poop, I'm told. <laughs> well, you know, there's another great book, Everyone Poops, and, uh, <laughs> it came out and so much truth to it, but you're right, I mean, the fact is that that matters too, and you know, poop as funny as it is to some disgusting to others but it's a matter of health and and that's that's the degree to how we're obsessed with dogs is did they poop yes good okay well wait how many times yes <laughs> well how long's it been since he or she pooped <laughs> right wait yeah. but he pooped how long ago okay what about before that
0: right yes oh <laughs> we, yeah
2: absolutely every little detail
0: yep yep absolutely but you see and again you've touched on this you know there is a small divide, I think, between maybe it's between dog owners and dogtologists, but do you refer to yourself as mummy or daddy? You know do you see yourself now? I kind of do I do say to you know to buddy, oh mummy will do that or whatever, and I know it's a bit daft, but I think there's quite a a good basis for that because I always think I educate him, I feed him, I look after his health. I exercise him. I groom him. You know, I do a lot of things that a parent does for a child. I meet his needs as a dog, which, as I said, is a wonderful thing to be. I, he's not. I know he's not a furry child. He's much better than you know a human in many ways. Um, but I think that's that's a valid thing to, to to see yourself as a parent, and I guess you'd agree.
2: Oh, wholeheartedly. I yeah. think that any self-respecting dogtologist would absolutely say that they're a, a mummy or daddy to that dog we embrace that role and I always say to somebody when they say well I have a dog but I'm not the mom and I said, really that's really sad everybody needs a mommy or a daddy mm, mm. you know so why would you deprive of your, your dog of that you know but to have that role is, is so special you know to be a parent to that dog and, and embrace it and like you said I mean there's there's teaching components and there's love and mm. it's on and on of course we're parents, and we love
0: it. Yeah, we should be. If you're going to do it properly, that's how you should see yourself, I think. Um, now, there's a, there's a section in the book, Ferminology, which sort of explains the terminology. Um, and you've mentioned, you know, Barctism and things like that. Um, are, is there sort of two or three of those that you could pick out for us and sort of just give us a flavor of some of this terminology that you um, that goes along with Doctology?
2: Uh, sure, the terminology. It's a lot of fun. You know, that's one of my fun parts of the book. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so we can talk about one of them is the four wheel bribe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's a term I came up for a concept that a lot of people are going to understand. So here it is. So the dog gets out of the yard or, or runs out the front door and the dog's running down the street. Now you run after the dog and the dog's toying with you at this point saying, Mm -hmm. I'm going to get, Let you get a little closer, but no, I think I'm going to run away again. So we resort to step two, the treat. Okay, let's get out the liver treats or whatever we're going to give. Now, okay, I've got a treat for you. And the dog contemplates. You could see that dog looking at you going, hmm, should I go for it or not? This may be a setup. And you still can't get the dog at that point. So we resort to the last thing that we have and it's the four-wheel bribe, the car. We go get in the car, we go down the street, we open the door and say, come on, let's go for a ride. Now the dog can't resist it. And really, that's all you got left. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you got to go there, and the dog gets in. But when the dog gets in the car, now you're obligated to drive around for a few blocks, <laughs> because otherwise it's not going to work in the future. Yeah, yeah. Empty problems. Yeah. And one more that I'll I'll mm-hmm. share with you is what I call the fur fix, and the fur fix is the daily dose of dog that's required because dogs relieve anxiety and stress. So it's the fact that I haven't seen my dog in a while, or yeah, yeah. I'm away on a holiday. Like Julie, if you're away on a holiday, and all of a sudden you see a dog, oh, anybody's yeah, dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you do? You go see the dog.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight over.
2: You got to get your fur fix.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking <laughs> you know, it, that because. I'm sure I I must overwhelm some people cuz I kind of go you know, exactly what you've said when you're on holiday and you you know your own dogs at home and perfectly well looked after, but you are missing out. And I'll go over and go, can I just say hello? And they go, yes, yes, of course. And then they're quite taken aback by this outpouring of affection for their dog. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. I can't tell you how many times on vacation I've told people, you know what? Just go away. We'll send you a postcard. <laughs> the dog stays with me. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. they laugh and, and they think, this guy's crazy. He just met my dog. How does he love my dog so much? Yeah
0: yeah but well there you go it is um instant and i've had it the other way around because when i've been out with buddy and in a variety of situations and he normally corners somebody when we're in the vets waiting room because he's quite happy at the vets and he will corner some poor human or maybe some enjoy you know some human that's enjoying it <laughs> and sort of pour his affection on them and um i've lost count of the times that people walk away from buddy going that dog really liked me and he does. That's the thing. It's not a personal thing, but he did genuinely really like them. And, and that, that's lovely in itself. That's why, you know, as you say, they just love unconditionally. It's, it's why we love them back, isn't it?
2: Oh, that's right. And I can imagine Buddy doing that. And that's a lot of fun. And I could see the looks on faces of people that, you know, the duds, like, yes. wake it away. <laughs> Wait, why does this dog still love me? Yes. <laughs>
0: Yes, there's nothing worse than when you get a dud and a really, really friendly, determined dog. And it's like, oh my goodness, who's going to win here?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I know, that's always funny to see.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Dogtology is a lot of fun. And I think, you know, if you are a dogtologist and you you love dogs, you're going to love Dogtology, the book. So we'll put some links on where people can find that. What's next for you, Jeff? What are you working on next?
2: Well, my next work is Upon Us, actually, in April, so in the book of Barks, chapter four of Dogtology, you're going to see a page toward the end of the chapter, and the book of Barks is all about communication with our dogs and how we talk to our dogs, but there's a page called Listen Like a Dog, and when I wrote that, I knew exactly what my next book was, hmm. and so April 26 is the release of Listen Like a Dog and Make Your Mark on the World. Oh, wow. And what I've done in this book is I've taken the concept of dogs as great listeners, and they are, and and pointed out what we can learn from them and how we ourselves are missing out on the greatest gift that we can give to one another. And what I'm talking about is if you think about Buddy just lying there with you or sitting next to you, the fact that you can talk to him and you can open up and you can admit to the triple homicide I mentioned earlier. <laughs> you can, you know, tell them about your fears and tell them about the bad day that you had or tell them how happy you are. And the experience allows you and allows all of us to, to feel heard. We genuinely feel heard. Even when the dog doesn't understand all of the words, mm. the dog understands our emotion. Yeah. And that's what we don't do for each other as humans we're not that same presence where we sit still, where we, you know, not always lie down with somebody, that's a different book, but, <laughs> but, but the fact that we don't give somebody that true attentive ear because mm-hmm. we're too busy with cell phones and iPads. And so Listen Like a Dog is really telling you that you have the opportunity to change for the better every relationship in your life through listening. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's a lovely sentiment. I like that. Uh, But you're quite right because dogs do make us feel special and that's, you know, part of the wonderfulness of them. So I think that that's really lovely. Um, Thanks ever so much, Jeff, and the best of luck with Dogtology and Listen Like a Dog.
2: Well, thank you. It was a lot of fun to talk with you, Julie. And would you tell Buddy hello and then I'm going to follow him on Twitter this afternoon?
0: Oh, lovely. I'll get him to follow you back. Thank you. So there you have it. You are in all probability a Dogtologist. I certainly am. To find out more, check out dogtology.com or search for dogtology on Facebook or Twitter. And Jeff will be back later this year to tell me about his book, Listen Like a Dog. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. Do you ever read a book and think, "No, it shouldn't happen like that?" Well, Check out the latest innovation in romantic fiction, Macy's Choice, which puts you in charge of the plot as you make life-changing decisions on the main character's behalf. At the end of each chapter in Macy's Choice, there are always two options and you choose what happens next. With over a million and a half words, that's over 5,000 pages, 256 chapters, and 128 different endings, Macy's Choice is an ebook you can reread again and again, making new choices each time to vary your experience to find love with each of the three heroes. To find out more, visit macy'schoice.com. That's M-A-C-I-E-S. Choice.com, or search for Macy's Choice on Amazon. A large breed dog has a resting heart rate of between 60 and 100 beats per minute, while a small dog breed's resting heart rate is between 100 and 140 BPM. We start the Dogcast Radio News with some dogs who have been rescued from various difficult or deadly situations. A Jack Russell Terrier called Jägermeister fell off the boat he was travelling on in the Gulf of Mexico recently. Luckily, Jägermeister's owner had put a life jacket on the dog, but then apparently he went below decks, and that was when disaster struck. His owner searched fruitlessly and reported him missing to the Coast Guard, but a small dog in such a vast expanse of water has a small chance of being found, and so the poor little dog swam for around three hours before he was spotted. It was two couples enjoying a celebratory birthday boat trip who finally noticed Jägermeister, and by then he was around five miles offshore. They only realised it was a dog bobbing about in the water as he drifted just a few feet away from their boat, and they managed to haul him up to safety. Happily, Jägermeister is back with his family, and let's hope he stays on board during their next outing. Meanwhile, in Cardiff in Wales, a dog was abandoned and left overnight outside one of the city's biggest supermarkets. The dog in question, a Rottweiler, had been tied to a post and was only discovered by a member of staff the next morning. Staff at the shop gave the dog food and water, and a dog warden took him to Cardiff Dog's Home. An investigation is underway to discover who abandoned the dog. Could this be something a microchip could help with? Let's hope so. And in Korea, hundreds of dogs have been saved from a meat farm and will soon be on the way to a new life in America and Canada. The Humane Society International is overseeing 250 dogs being flown from East Asia to the US and Canada, and so far, 79 dogs have already made the trip. They are now in a number of shelters being evaluated before being put up for adoption. The Humane Society International has been working to reduce the dog meat trade in Asia and has worked with the owner of the farm these particular dogs have been rescued from in Wonju, South Korea. The great news is that not only have these 250 dogs escaped the miserable conditions they were kept in and avoided ending up on a dinner plate, but the farmer involved has signed an agreement to leave the dog meat trade forever. This is fantastic, and the HIS will continue to work with dog farmers, helping them transition into non-animal-based trades. Now, we all know that we have to scoop the poop when we're out and about with our dogs, and we all know that not all dog owners do it but some dog owners have fallen foul of fraudsters in St. Helens, near Liverpool in the UK. Two men have been approaching dog owners claiming to be council dog wardens, accusing the owners of not picking up after their dog and demanding a £50 on-the-spot fine payment, threatening an £80 fine for refusal to pay. The pair then make a getaway in a silver van. The council have made it very clear that they would never ask to be paid in cash on the street, and have advised anyone receiving such a request to ask for identification, keep any leaflets or documentation the fraudsters give them, and if possible, make a note of the registration of any vehicles they use. In addition, dog owners who fear they've been duped can contact Merseyside Police on the non-emergency 101 number, or Crime Stoppers anonymously on 0800 555 111. And we end today's news with a scientist who apparently wants your dog to live forever. Matt Cabellin, a biologist at the University of Washington, has spent years investigating how factors like genetics and calorie consumption affect the aging process. He believes he may have found a cure for canine aging. He and colleague Daniel Promislow are conducting a clinical trial testing whether rapamycin, a drug which has been shown to increase the lifespan of mice, will have the same benefit for dogs. Initial results are promising. For example, some dogs' heart conditions improved dramatically. And now, Matt wants to see if he can slow down the ageing process without significant side effects. And the good news is that not only might we get to keep our four-legged friends for longer if Matt's research comes to fruition, the process might apply to humans too. While Newfoundlands are excellent swimmers and even have webbed feet, basset hounds usually can't swim at all. Judith Brauch is an amazing woman who I've interviewed before about her convictions that raw feeding is the best diet for dogs and about the group she has set up called Raw Feeding Rebels, which is growing at a phenomenal rate. Not content with spreading the word about the diet our dogs should be eating, Judith took the impressive step of co-founding a charity called Service Dogs UK. See, I told you she's amazing. The first thing I asked Judith was what exactly Service Dogs UK does.
1: Service Dogs UK is now a charity that I set up with a very good friend of mine, who's also a, a Navy veteran and a serving police officer. Um, it's a charity that provides and trains assistance dogs, mostly from rescue to veterans of the armed forces, but also veterans, because we want to really redefine that word a little bit, uh, of the uh, uh, emergency services and also of the Coast Guard. So really, for veterans, people being that have served on the front line, be it at home or abroad, who have, as a consequence of doing that service, have suffered um, post-traumatic stress mm. disorder, mm. Uh, PTSD, as it's known. So that's really what we do. How we work, in a way, is also quite different. So we work mostly with rescue dogs, and we... We train the dogs together with the veteran. So the veteran actually goes on to a program which takes around 9 to 12 months, together with our professional dog trainers, to train their own assistance dog.
0: Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is pretty wow. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. well, I just think that must actually... thats That must be pretty empowering for the veteran, mustn't it?
1: That is a, I, I think it's very empowering because... To a certain extent, it's being able to kind of save a life Mm -hmm. because we are also using rescue dogs. A lot of these dogs have scars themselves, you know, and if you have PTSD, you also have scars. And I think it is extremely empowering because it allows that kind of equal friendship you're both helping each other and you're both helping each other to trust the world again you're both helping each other to kind of make friends to to be social again it's very very empowering yes
0: yeah yeah so for anybody that doesn't know tell me a little bit about sort of the the symptoms of post-traumatic stress syndrome and sort of what is it that people living with that have to cope with on a, on a daily basis?
1: Well, first of all, I think post-traumatic stress disorder
0: mm-hmm.
1: is, is kind of a response to experiencing something very, very traumatic mm. or experiencing several moments in your life that are extremely traumatic. So whilst we can kind of imagine, you know, people being in the armed forces, being in the theatre of war, you can imagine the things they see, you know, are very upsetting. Mm. For people on, on in the emergency services equally, you know, w- we rarely think of the police officers or the paramedics or the fire people that are attending a fatal road collision, mm. vision, you know, that involves, for example, children. So those are things that can trigger PTSD in the brain. And the symptoms of that is people who have PTSD, they often have nightmares, mm. lots and lots of nightmares. So they have perhaps four hours sleep on a night. They have flashbacks during the day. Um, besides that, what they are also really struggling with is social contact. So, you know, how you and I are speaking, we are not the best of friends, but we feel comfortable with each mm. mm. That kind of comfort is gone you know the ability to trust people is is also a real struggle so you think of somebody with ptsd and some of the veterans we're helping some of them wouldn't go out for weeks on end outside of the house Mm -hmm. yeah so that's really when you think of post traumatic stress disorder that's that's really how it manifests itself so it's very isolating it's very depressing and
0: it's and it's kind of losing faith in the world, in a way. Yeah, yeah. Now, obviously, it, it's it's going to be very, very isolating. By the way, I am I am terribly upset now because I thought we were very best friends. But there you go. Oh, <laughs> 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 so I'm I'm dealing with some trauma here myself. But I'll carry on. I'll carry. on. <laughs> no. So it, it can be. Um, it must be incredibly isolating. And I can see. Um, you know, when you set foot outside the door with a dog, you do start automatically falling into conversation with with other people the, the dog is a, a tremendous icebreaker but sort of what's the more formal side what of, of sort of the training you give your dogs what what else do they do for the the veterans um,
1: well I'll, I'll pick you up as well sorry Julie. okay no nope. on, on your first not question but comment yeah which I think is also quite important to mention mm-hmm. is that the science behind this a little um, and then I'll explain why it kind of works and what we do. Yeah. If you stroke a dog, if you interact with the dog, you have a release of a chemical in your brain called oxytocin. Mm. Now, oxytocin is very, very important. And they are also researching other treatments for post-traumatic stress disorder and how oxytocin can help with that. Because you and I release oxytocin enough to communicate Hmm. yeah and that's what veterans are missing so if you are totally with your dog all the time and you're stroking it and you're cuddling it and you're engaging with it the veteran has this release of oxytocin that's the kind of science behind having these kinds of dogs with you Hmm. 27 so how we train dogs is we train together with the veteran, the veteran gets in fact a lot of homework as well to learn how dogs think and how to look after dogs and how to groom them and the law. They get all that but we train our dogs to wake people up in the night for example when Mm. they are having nightmares or when they are having flashbacks that the dog nudges the veteran for example. Uh, We also train for example to, to be able to for the dogs to provide a bit of a barrier when when people are suffering with anxiety or panic because again that's a very common symptom. Mm-hmm. So we're doing those types of training as well as your more standard assistance dogs training, mm. you
0: know. It, it must I, I can see that working on a couple of levels because obviously the the fact that the dog is there with you and you know wakes you up from the nightmare yeah. Must be fantastic. But also, if it's a person doing it for you, you've always got that pressure of, oh, do they really want to be doing this? And they've probably got their own thing to be going and doing. Whereas the dog is just with you all the time.
1: Well, it's, 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 I think the thing is that with dogs, it's. If you have PTSD, you are at an extremely low, low ebb. Mm. Yeah, extremely low ebb. And a dog is able to provide that kind of friendship without expecting anything yeah without any kind of judgment you know and i think you know one of our veterans said that he's been he was diagnosed seven years ago with ptsd he's tried all the types of therapy that are available for for it and nothing really helped and he is now smiling again and and whilst that To you and I, because even in this conversation, we can almost hear each other smile. Yeah, yeah. That's something that people with PTSD often don't have. They don't have these feelings of joy because they're emotionally numb. And that is also what the dog is drawing out of them, is that kind of being able to just be with a friend. Yeah, Joy, it's like, you know, one of our veterans, he sent me a photo the other day and it was a photo of him together with his dog really early in the morning on this beach oh. and he said i would i would have never seen this yeah. i would have never seen and been been able to enjoy this without mm. without his dog
0: yeah dogs are wonderful they are just oh. magical i i've never ceased to be amazed by what dogs can do um and obviously it's not something we you know that that part of it isn't something we train them to do it's just they have this marvellous effect on us um what uh, judith what inspired you to start the charity because i i'd really admire you and other people who sort of go right i see a need that wants to be done it's a huge thing to do but i'm gonna do it anyway um uh, and there may be a slight slight strand of madness there but you do it anyway so tell me about it (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, I think you know me well enough to
1: know that I'm perhaps slightly mad. <laughs> but um, what what for me was it, and this is quite a personal thing, mm. yeah? I grew up um, being quite a rebel, literally. I didn't really, uh, I went to protests. I was always on the wrong side of, of the police in particular. Mm. Um, You know, I I was, uh, well, especially as a teenager, and I'd never given it much thought that these people in uniform are also people. And then I met Gary, who's my co-founder, and he's a police officer. And he kind of provided a window, a little, into this different world. And I respect him greatly for it. And Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, mental health for me personally and that's perhaps because I'm slightly mad, (laughs) read between the lines, um, (laughs) has always been quite important. And I think from the armed forces veteran point of view, you know, I wouldn't have been around if my parents hadn't been liberated in the Second World War. So together with that combination and meeting Gary and getting that kind of window into this other world and kind of hearing what he gets up to And thinking, I have to do something about this. Mm. I need to show my respect and I need to show my appreciation for this total bravery. Yeah. And I feel very strongly about it. And also this idea that we have police officers, paramedics, soldiers, firefighters on these front lines. And there is so little help available. And nobody wants to talk about mental health. Mm. Nobody. Mm. Mm. You know, and I kind of think... And that's that's how and so when Gary and I were kind of discussing this quite a few years ago now, we kind of both got quite feisty <laughs> feisty, feisty about it. And yeah. we are both go and get them people, and we thought, yeah, yes, we can really do this. Yeah. We can. Yeah. And um you know, and, and that of course is a is a hope in a way. And then we started and we kind of realized that Yes, other people think this too, mm. you know, and we, the support we have received and the people that have rallied around us. Julie, we've been extremely lucky in terms of attracting the right trainers, and attracting people that want to fundraise for us. Both me and Gary are so, so lucky. We're really lucky people and perhaps one side of it is luck and the other side of it is that by golly,
0: we we do work very very hard. I, I bet. I was going to say, but it's a <laughs> lot of hard work. I mean, when I've, I I wrote the question down, sort of, what what is the process of starting a charity like? And then I've actually I actually sort of added on hellish. I'd imagine because I, can't, <laughs> I I wouldn't even know where to start. So I mean, that to me is fascinating in itself. Tell me about that. The actual. I mean, what? As I say, what? How do you take the first step? What did you do? Well, the first step is
1: you have this idea, yeah? yeah. And then you think, "Who can we do this? So we need a name and we need a website and we need this and all that we can do. Yeah. And then you lie in bed and you look online on how to become a charity and you lie in bed and you think, cash. How <laughs> get the cash yeah. to do this? So basically that's how we started up. So to even become a charity, you need five, five thousand pounds to even start the application process to become a registered charity
0: yeah
1: um and so when we started that was our first goal to raise five thousand pounds and that's really where you need people and meet you need to meet people that share your passion because you have nothing to show for it yeah you're two crazy people with a great idea (laughs) but you've got no money but you have a plan. So who wants to give me some money yes. <laughs> for that? Yeah,
0: yeah. I can imagine for some, you know, for people that didn't know you, that's that's quite a leap of faith at that point, isn't it? You know, honestly, I do want to start a charity. <laughs> it, it is a leap of faith at that point, isn't it? It is a leap of faith. And I think and I think to
1: a certain extent, you know, um, I think Gary and I make a very, very good team with yeah. that as well. Because we have... And I have to say, especially in the beginning, I can honestly say we were supported by friends. You know, I have yeah. one friend who's very near, close to me, and I hope she listens because I won't say her name. <laughs> and whilst I was slowly graying on the sofa, <laughs> you know, and getting wrinkly and thinking, you know, this, this really is making me old, this worry about how we're going to do this. And she texted me and she said, "Well, what do you need to become a charity?" You know, and I said, "Well, I need I need 5 grand. That's that's what I need." And she said, "Well, I've got a grand lying about. Do you want it?" Oh. How and lovely. I said, "Yes, yes, I do." And because of that, and we also have another friend who's been doing a a fundraiser in one of my groups. She started 10 days after we announced that we wanted to start this organization, and she's raised, like, a grand as well. And that is really, it's, Julie, it's that belief that people have that, one, this is needed, two, they appreciate what brave people have done for us, Mm. and they trust Mm. me and Gary to... Sort it out. Yeah. And we are now. We really are sorting it out. Yeah. You know, we've got two two veterans now on the program um with their dogs. We're hoping to take on a, another veteran and and long may it continue, mm. really. Absolutely. You know, slowly does it, but but you know, that's it. And yeah. then we've got these amazing dog trainers that because we both know dog trainers. Mm. You know, you need, with something like this, you need not just dog people. You need people people as yes. well. Because yeah. you're dealing with somebody like, for example, one of the veterans. When he started, because of his condition, his attention span was around 25 minutes mm. yeah, for a session. That's very short. Yeah. Now, months in, he can easily do an hour's training session. You know, to you and me, that are small. Those are small things, but they are massive yeah. for the people themselves. And that, in part, is also because we just have these
0: amazing dog trainers. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Oh. I mean, I'm I'm glad you mentioned dog trainers because that was what I wanted to move on to. Tell me how you actually train the dogs. What methods do you use?
1: Well, we only use fun methods. Yeah, yeah, because and positive positive methods. Mm. Because you are trying to build up a friendship, because there is such an importance in terms of having this trusting bond between the veteran and the dog, you can only make it fun. Mm. So our dogs, and you might have seen the pictures on Facebook, they have so much fun at training sessions that they they don't even want to go oh. up <laughs> Um, so we use positive reinforcement only the other side effect of of doing that what we've noticed is also because you're teaching people that sometimes have issues with frustration because of their ptsd you're teaching them positive reinforcement methods that in fact some of those methods are being almost transferred to their daily life Mm. do you see what i mean yes so it's also i think I think positive reinforcement also works so well because if you have a really bad day and you feel really, really bad and your dog is, for example, not doing a task well, you know, uh, for example, you have to train your dog to settle under a table and he fails every single time, then how we train is that at that point... First time your dog fails, you have to distract the dog. Mm. And you 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 have to have a high pitched voice and say, "Come on, come on, let's, let, you know, let's do a little circle or a little dance, you know, to make it interesting again." Yeah, yeah. Even if you feel bad, you have to pretend this happiness.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: That's where it gets interesting because if you feel really bad in yourself, but you have to in one session pretend happiness 10 times you will notice that you'll actually have a smile on your face at the end of it. Oh no it's true. <laughs> yeah, isn't that amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. So that's that's how we work. And I think if you see the dogs train, it's just wonderful. They've got it really is, it's really wonderful. They've got these big waggly tails and these these tongues dangling out and you know, they they get they get we tend not to treat too much. We we, we start off with certain behaviours, with treats, but mostly we work with praise. So, again, praise is, is kind of that happy voice and, and say, you know, and being, well, it's that happy voice. And yeah. That's what it's all about. It's being yeah. happy and having fun together.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And, I mean, we, we've touched on this so many times on DogCast that sort of, but I, th- I think it, all, it never harms to sort of reiterate it, that service dogs, assistance dogs – love they have a good life don't they they love what they do they're not like people you know we sort of sometimes go i just want to sit on the sofa and do nothing dogs don't sort of have that they like to be doing something don't they
1: yeah they do and i think but i think it's also you know matching the dog to a veteran
0: yeah yeah
1: because you know of course we select our dogs quite specifically to see and one of the uh, markers as Really, what the dogs need to have is to have this enjoyment from learning. Not every dog enjoys learning. And ultimately, these dogs are like working dogs. And they have to, just as the veteran needs to enjoy his life, the dog needs to as well. And mm. I think, you know, not all dogs are suited for that. Mm. And uh, but, but ours definitely are
0: adoring it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, you've mentioned that sort of your dogs um, in the main, I I don't know whether in the main or all, come from rescue. So can you tell me anything about the the backgrounds of any of the dogs?
1: Well, I think it's interesting. Ajax, who is our, you know, he's he's the crossbreed, the white crossbreed. He's a stunning, stunning dog, you know, absolutely bomb-proof. He was picked up as a stray by the Dogs Trust. Mm. So that's all we know about him. Jerry is basically his owner, I think, was in the armed forces and he was stationed out. So this dog was homeless and um, he was rescued. So that's really all we know about them. What we, you know, so we don't have lots of info on it, really. (gasps) Yeah. But I think in terms of when you think about it, you know, like with Ajax, I think stray dogs... Because they're often quite well socialized, you know, make could
0: make really good assistance, not Yeah, yeah, or they've certainly seen life, I imagine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's it's an amazing um, story, and I, I really admire what you've done, Judy. And I admire you and what you've done. If, if people would like to find out more about you, where can they find it online?
1: Well, if they want to find out more about us, they can visit surface dogs org mm-hmm. and if any veterans are listening as well the the they can apply to come onto our program um, we are currently based in West Sussex Surrey and east and North Hampshire uh, with our program which is open to to the veterans and again on surface there's information on how how you can apply
0: smashing that's that's great um and I, i'm yeah. assuming anybody that wants to support you can find that information there as yes! well yes yes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah fantastic um it's an it's, it's it's inspirational i think it's inspirational because it's you know when we all have these mad ideas and sort of wouldn't wouldn't it be nice if this and i fancy doing that and so few of us actually act on it but i think it's it's you
1: know i think it is amazing and i think
0: you know, I'm I'm not such a
1: emotional bundle, but um I went to a training session recently and um uh, you know one of the veterans said By doing this I'm learning to live and laugh again. Yeah. And you know, for goodness sakes, these things are kind of hallmark corny, but it makes me feel it, it sends me shivers down my spine, it really does. Yeah. And yeah. you kind of think, you know, yes, it was a big leap to to do and it and it's scary all the work that comes with it yeah at the other side of it that's why you do it isn't it oh yeah you you want to improve not only a person's life but you also want to improve a dog's life yeah and I think that's that's also what's important to us it's improving the lives of both
0: yeah yeah you know um, brilliant and i'm i mean well done on what you've done already and i'm sure you're going to improve many many more lives well done (laughs)
1: yeah yeah. Yeah, it is amazing isn't it i still have to pinch myself
0: (laughs) setting out to improve the life of humans and dogs has to be a great aim doesn't it especially when we're talking about humans who have given their all serving the greater good and now need a little support and dogs in need of rescue too We have a link to the servicedogsuk.org website and you can find them on Twitter and Facebook too. Approximately one million dogs in the US have been named as the primary beneficiary in their owner's will. Well, that's about all for this show. In the next show, we have an interview with Dr. Patrick Mahaney about how you can help your dog if he's suffering from the misery of allergies. with the ident Dog Cast Radio. That's all one word, Dog Cast Radio. By email, you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way, we can include them directly in our program. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. What's a dog's favourite song? Don't stop
2: retrieving.